0: are his children. We belong to him and we are completely accepted. John 1 verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So everybody wants to be accepted because not to be accepted means to be rejected and rejection hurts. God wants everybody to be a part of his family. He accepts everybody But not everyone chooses to become a child of God because not everyone chooses to believe in Jesus as their Savior. I taught preschool, and my youngest son Tag started coming to school with me when he was two weeks old. So at school, everyone was treated the same. What you know, what was good for the goose was good for the gander. If the kids got punished, Tag got punished. If kids got spoiled, he got spoiled. There was no distinction at school. But on Friday nights, we used to go to the spurt. It was the only place where we could sit and eat, and he could play. And Other parents from my school used to go to the Spurs well on a Friday night. And then their children would come and sit on my lap on a Friday night. So I would sit there with kids on my lap. But Tag knew because I was his parent and he was my child, I would take anyone off my lap to put him on my lap if he needed me. If he called, I would put kids down to go to him because he was my child and he knew that and he was secure in knowing that. Tag also knew if he was naughty at school, he didn't have the privilege of sitting on the time out chair to think about the naughty because his mom taught him what was right and was wrong. He was taken by the hand into the pantry, I would close the door so no one could see, I would take my rubber shoe off and I would give him a hiding and he would still tell you today, I remember those days when you used to give me hidings with your soft chew in the pantry. But you know what? Being his parent, I had a different set of expectations for him. Um, and that is how God our father is. We have an intimate father-child relationship with him. And the reason why we behave different to the world is because our father has a different set of expectations for us. So we are valuable because Jesus gave his life for us. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20a says you were bought with a price. We were so valuable to God that only the blood of Jesus was payment enough to redeem us. God's love for us is unconditional. It is unending and we do nothing to deserve it. Because his love is not based on who we are but on who he is. We are his disciples and his followers. Matthew 16:24 If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So to be a disciple and a follower means to actively seek to live according to the teachings and the example of Jesus. We are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Matthew 5 verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, the city on a hill cannot be hidden. These scriptures highlight the responsibility that we must be a positive um, and a good moral influence in the world and that we need to reflect God's love and his truth to those around us. We are ambassadors of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We represent Jesus, therefore we are called to share his message of love, mercy and reconciliation to everyone around us. Our Christian identity lies wrapped up in that we humbly accept that Jesus died for us, having done nothing to deserve it but by grace alone. He is our savior and therefore our identity is wrapped up in who he is. So realizing how deep his love for us is, makes it, it elevates our self-worth. Does it not just elevate your self-worth? We, we are so deeply loved. And it makes us at the same time so bold and yet so humble when we realize that. So this is where our challenge lies, ladies. So we know who Jesus is. We know who we are. We know what the world says about identity. We know what God tells us our identity is in Jesus. But it's not easy. We know that. We are challenged daily, hourly, by the minute, because our present self was born out of a past based on our old sinful nature, which comes with those things Nicole mentioned. It comes with shame, guilt, comparison, and a long list of issues which we will look at at future meetings. These are curses and condemnations that only Holy Spirit can and longs to set us free from. God loves us, but the devil who is also called the deceiver hates God. Therefore, he hates God's children. So we can imagine that the measure of God's love for us is equal to the measure of the devil's hatred for us. The devil has studied human nature for thousands of years. He's an expert. He knows exactly how to trip trip us up. John 10 verse 10, the later part of the verse, the B part says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. This life of abundance is fullness of joy. That's what God wants for us to have, a fullness of joy and a strength of spirit. But the first part of that very same verse says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy and the easiest way for this deceiver to destroy us is to steal our identity by distorting our perception of what is true. He knows that we are body, mind, soul, and spirit. And our soul is associated with our emotions and our feelings. And ladies, we like to say we are emotional creatures. And I think sometimes it's just an excuse, but we use it often. We're so emotional. And that is exactly how the devil attacks us. Our identities are constantly being attacked from all directions. And if we're not rooted in knowing who we are, then we will struggle through this life. So the devil knows that if he he can rob us or steal our identity, he will kill our spirit and in return he will destroy our life. What is the most important place to you? Where is your place of importance? Is it your home? To me, it's my home. Our home is the first place where we give clear purpose and clear direction to our family The devil knows that if he can steal my identity, he will distort how I see myself, he will distort how I see my husband, he will distort how I look at my marriage, he will distort how I see my children, my friends, my family, my career, and ultimately, my future, because I won't have hope for the future. And if I fall, chances are my family will fall as well, because we are the carers and the nurturers. Rick Warren says that when God puts a thought in our minds, uh, Mr. Pot, so the devil does this by putting thoughts in our minds all day long. He uses my thoughts to perceive my identity. He uses my thoughts against me. He uses your thoughts against you. And when we believe his lies, we end up feeling insecure, we feel of very little value, and that poor state of mind Does not contribute to us being useful at all in the kingdom of God. And that's exactly where the devil wants us to be. In a place where God can't use us at all to be his disciples and ambassadors. And remember, we said that's what we are. So, how can we disciple well if we have a poor state of mind because we believe the lies from the devil? Rick Warren says that when God puts a thought in our minds, it's called inspiration. When Satan puts a thought in our minds, it's called temptation, and when we put a thought in our minds, it's called stupidity. (laughs) I like it too. So ladies, when we know God's word, we will know whether a thought comes from him, the devil, or ourselves. Satan uses the media to bombard us with images that leads to negative thoughts, and Nicole did speak about that. He tries to convince us through the media and advertisements that we will only be accepted, that we will only be good enough if we fit in, if we look, live, speak, and act like everybody else. Trends are constantly changing, and this world is a restless place for trying to keep up with what's trendy. We need a mind shift to constantly remind ourselves that our identity is not based on what's current and new and in and trendy. Identity is based on Jesus and he does not change. Ephesians 4 verse 17 reads, in the Lord's name I tell you this, do not continue living like those who do not believe. Their thoughts are worth nothing. They do not understand and they know nothing because they refuse to listen. So they cannot have the life that God gives. But we have that life, ladies. We just need to hold on to it and not let the world influence us. Verse 27 says, do not give the devil away to defeat you. So Satan will use the opinions of other people and the things that they say to us to try and break down our self-image, to hurt us. And I'm using the word try because that is all Satan can do. He can only try. He will only succeed if we allow him to. So we don't open that door to even give him a foothold because that's all he needs, a foothold. So ladies, he's trying, he never stops trying. It's a constant thing, the Satan not giving up on trying. That guy never gets tired, I think. Why should we fear what other people think of us? Do we become less worthy in the eyes of God when people don't uh, find us valuable? Of course not. If we are secure in who we are in Jesus, the opinions and the words of other people will never make us feel less valuable. We know that if we have God's approval, we do not need the approval of man. Yes, we were someone else before we were born again but after we were born again, everything changed. We are not our past. We are not a victim of our past. Ladies, your past is not your identity. Unfortunately, when most of us look in the mirror, we only see what we see now, and we remember what we were. We hear all of this, but does it sink in Do we really, really believe and know that we can put it to work, practice it and live it out in our lives? Because so often we are born again and we are this new creation, but what do we do? We pack that old victim identity into a backpack and we carry her on our backs with us into our new future. It's incredibly sad and I get so frustrated. And I want to say this with love but there are so many women who become enslaved to the victim identity of their past and they find it so difficult to let go of her because over time, that identity becomes so deeply engraved in your perception of who you are that that trial that you faced becomes your identity and that together, in a very strange way, with the attention and um, the sympathy that we receive from others, it provides a false sense of validation. So ladies, if you want to live that life of victory, allow for the Holy Spirit to heal you from that past victim identity. You are now a new woman. Take her out of the bag and burn her. She's no longer a part of your future. She died, and only you can do that with the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to continue carrying her on your back. She's dead. The new life has begun. Do not base your identity of the past victim. It's no longer you. God wishes that we could see ourselves as he sees us. Because when God looks at us, he does not see us as we are now. He sees the finished product because he knows what we are becoming. God looks at us and he sees beauty. He sees righteousness. He sees perfection. And he sees the holiness of Jesus when he looks at us. Um, Can you put that slide of the mirror on for me, please, gift? To know and to feel secure in our identity in Jesus is a beautiful journey of discovering and growing in Him. It's a process that can take time. You're not going to walk out of here today with that victory. Yes, you've got it, but you've got to make work of it. To um, invest it deep into your foundation and, and to live it out. So it's a journey. Um, and it's a beautiful journey of discovering and growing in him. It's a process that takes time, but it's crucially important because it's knowing our identity and having a strong sense of self that is going to help us to face the trials of the world. And this is what we want to be, ladies. And this is what we will be when we rooted in our identity, which is rooted in Christ. So to develop a sense of confidence in our Christian identity, and I'm going to honor our time, so I'm not going to go through it in detail. We've printed it out for you, but please don't look at it now because I don't want you to be as distracted or you could... Yeah, don't read it, but you can glance at the verses, I didn't print them out either. So to develop confidence in your identity, because that's what we need to work on. We understand it, we know it, we've got it, we've thrown the old victim, past victim identity away, we are now this new creation. But to remain rooted, there are eight things that we can apply practically to keep us rooted. So the first one is to stay rooted in the word because if we know the word, we know who Jesus is, we will understand our identity and knowing the word is what will keep us rooted and we will not be shaken around. We need to stop believing the lies that we have been told. We have to get back to the true identity that the devil has stolen from us. Third one is we have to renew our minds and it's not for us to change ourselves because if we change ourselves to become what we think we should be, that would be tragic. It's for Holy Spirit to change us through his transformative power. We will never become who we were meant to be if it's up to us. Trust Holy Spirit to do it for you. And if you are unsure to figure out your new identity, you often need to look at the old identity. You need to determine what the lie was. And um, if you're not so sure, the easiest way to figure out what that lie was is to think of your fears. What do you fear? What did that past victim fear? Because so often we carry those fears with us. So the past identity is very often based on what we fear. Is it the fear of failure? Do you always strive to achieve? Are you a perfectionist? Do you always want to do well? Because that fear of failure could be the identity that you hold onto, and that is a huge burden to carry, the fear of failure. It could be rejection. You might have had to deal with rejection in your past, and so to you, you are the victim of rejection. But that is not your new identity. That could be the lie. Is it not being good enough? Is it not being clever enough? Is it not being pretty enough? Is it not being skinny enough? I don't know if I shared this, did I share it? The world measures success on um, wealth, beauty, and um, I did, hey? there's always going to be somebody in the room uh, who is more accomplished than you. There's always going to be someone who's more clever, who has way more degrees and pretty pictures on the wall. Beauty, there's always going to be someone who's more pretty than you. And money, gosh, there's always going to be someone who has got more uh, personal financial wealth than us. So could it be that you're not pretty enough because the past victim found being pretty and perfect and nicely done up very important? Is it not being skinny enough? I mean, how easily do we complain about our weight? I went to lunch with a friend of mine who passed away before she turned 50, of leukemia, after she suffered breast cancer, and I took her to lunch a month before she passed away, and we sat down, and the first thing I did was I opened the menu and said, oh my goodness, Naomi, I've got to lose weight, just show me the salads, and she didn't say a word, and we were eating, and she said, Sonia, I can't even keep a teaspoon of yogurt with bicarb down, and that's what my doctor said, I should try and force myself to have, she passed away four weeks later, as skinny as a rake, not having been able to eat for weeks. And my memory is of me sitting there, as healthy as can be, fat as a pig, I want to say, complaining because of my weight. And she was dying to be able to eat one spoonful of food and keep it down. And that has just put being skinny and thinking I'm overweight into perspective for me. So is it the fear of not being skinny enough? is it the fear of losing your health? Is it that past illness, maybe mental health, um, that thing that you were diagnosed with, that thing that you were labeled with, could that be what you based your identity on? Is your identity based on a bottle of Ritalin or things to help you cope with life? Because your new creation is a new creation and I'm not saying you don't need medication, but ladies, you have the power to reshape how you think about who you are. Is it the fear of your career not being the most accomplished maybe or losing your career? Is your identity so wrapped up in your career that you introduce yourself um, as Sonia, the, the mayor of Bedford View kind of thing, you know? Is your fear based on um, your finances? I already said there will always be someone who has more. And you know what? If God cares for the lilies of the field and if he's concerned about the the hairs on our head and he looks after the sparrows, oh my goodness, yes, I know we read it and it's easy to to speak. But do we practice what we preach? God will provide. That's what we need to hold on to. That's what we trust him for. And then is your, Nicole, it was so interesting. You you mentioned being rooted in who your husband is so I have a friend who's married to a doctor she was born lived in a small town married a doctor from a small town and in a small town there's only like four doctor's wives and you know it was used to irritate her she used to say to me Sonia they all demand to be introduced as a Mrs. Dr. Van Sael, or Mrs. Dr. Tron because you offend them if you don't, because their identity is so wrapped up in their husband's career that um, without it, I think they would feel like they are worthless. So maybe you fear what the future holds, because some of us were, our old sinful nature itself was a control freak, so now we don't like not knowing what's going to happen, And that is a fear, that is something that Satan plants in our heads. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing. Yes, you say you know this God, but can you really trust that he will be there for you in the future? So that is a fear, a real fear, because we like to control, we like to know. And God says, no, trust me. So um, what was so interesting, I googled the number one fear in the world, and you know what that is? The fear of dying unbelievers fear dying and you know I laughed out loud when I read it and I said praise you Lord because you have set us free from the fear that the world fears the most for us to die is gain we will see the face of Jesus so I got so excited when I saw that that is a burden that's been been lifted from us we don't fear dying Yeah, the ones out there do. So our fears control us. It shows us what the lie is that we've been um, believing from the devil. So let go of it. Find scriptures in the Bible that define who you are now. Write them down. Meditate on them. And speak them over your life. Declare them over your life, because they are the weapons that you're going to take out to use against the enemy when he comes and he tries to attack, attack yourself with. And ladies do. Please go home. Take that old lady, that old victim, that old identity, and throw it into the fireplace. She's dead now. You're on you. You've got a new identity. Jesus gave it to you. Um, accept your own uniqueness. I said we all made so uniquely different, so complex with with different uniquely put together sets of skills and interests. And it's exactly that diversity that's needed in the body of Christ. Because together, we are so strong when we can all bring what we've been gifted with through the Holy Spirit. We are unlike anybody else. So we accept our strengths. And... No, we celebrate our strengths and we accept what we perceive to be our weaknesses. Because that's also just distorted perception. And then number five, embrace self-acceptance. Understand that for Jesus to have died for you, he loves you for who you are. You were made unlike anybody else and you were made exactly the way you are because God needs you to be you to do what only you can do in this world. Seek inner and outer alignment, which just means that your thoughts, your actions, the words you speak and the way you live need to align with your Christian values and standards. And then number seven, surround yourself with people who have the same beliefs as you, you know, your life group, a church community where there are people who will accept you for who you are and who would be prepared to walk this journey with you, with love, to help you to grow as you go along. And then the last one is develop a lifestyle of prayer. Make it a habit. Of praying and if you don't pray just spend time with God and be still because it's during those quiet times that God speaks to us and I want to ask you do you realize how much he longs to speak to you because he's here right now he's here He wants to speak to us, but because we can't see him, we almost ignore him and we just like bring him out when it's a big moment. But God wants to speak to us. He desires to speak to us, make time. And um, what Karen encouraged me with last week is she said, you know, there are times in our lives when we can't pray. Um, And while I'm saying this, I also want to say I spoke about your trials and that victim that we carry in our backpack. And I don't want to minimize your trial because trials are real, trials hurt. Trials can be crucially, crucially painful. So I'm not minimizing the fact that some of us have faced the most horrendous trials in our lives, the most unspeakable things that have happened to us. I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying you don't stay in that place because that's not who you are now. And don't let the devil tell you that's who you are. So when there are times when you have not got the words to pray, I've been there myself, you sit and you allow for Holy Spirit to pray on your behalf through praying in in tongues. You pray in tongues. You just let those words role because Romans 8 verse 26 says the spirit helps us with our weakness we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself speaks to God for us even begs sometimes we feel like we need to beg even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain God can see what is in people's hearts and so that's how we pray then so learning to understand our identity, I'm wrapping up, is a unique journey. It unfolds over time. doesn't happen in a moment. It unfolds over time. And it's normal for you to have questions and doubts as you go along. It's very normal. That's why we're in community, so we can help one another. Give yourself the space and the grace to grow and trust That as you continue to learn to be more like Jesus, your sense of certainty and confidence in your own identity will grow as well, and it will. I'm testimony to that. Jesus had a profound impact on my life. He transformed me, and he continues to guide me on my journey of faith. He is the love of my life, my all in all. And it's only because of him that I will be able to become the best me that I can be. And my prayer for you ladies is that we will all discover who we are as we continue to embrace him because he is the way, the truth and the life. Amen.